Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s. From great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges and most importantly how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host. Hi everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here today with Linda Franklin and we're going to talk about what fitness means to us. And Linda, when I first started getting fit and healthy, you know, after my divorce, after my kids were born, um, and after I reached a certain age in my life, I realized that fitness was so much more than just um, what I was trained, which was strength, flexibility, endurance, um, And I really wanted to get fit from the inside out. And it was interesting that the the more fit my body got, the more fit my spirit got and vice versa. Like it all seemed to be coming together. And so the concept of fitness to me, if a human being is fit, that means to me like spiritual, emotional, financial, physical, like it's not just one aspect of fitness. What do you think? No, I agree. It's mind, body, and spirit. And all of those three have to be working kind of in sync with one another um, because that way you, you get, you know, the results that you want. Otherwise, I think that they kind of go off off road because, you know, you're not in alignment. So, yeah, you have to do all, all you have to do all three um, to make it effective. It, it is because, you know, if you're if your body's not feeling well. Um, it's really hard. Nobody who's having a sick day or cramp day is going to wake up and go, "Woo! I feel so great today and have that, you know, that kind of great mental energy. And, um, when you think about the mind, body and spirit, like when I'm really afraid or I'm really in my lower vibration emotions, you know, like my fears around money or my fears around, really, I just have fears around money. Um, it's hard to mobilize. Um, when I'm afraid, I stay put. Yeah. You know, I don't want to work out. I don't want to meditate or pray. I don't want to, I really don't want to do anything but kind of sit there and be afraid. Yes, I think so. Because as you said, it, it's a lower energy vibration. And all you want to do is just sit and be quiet and not be, not be disturbed by anybody. Because if you are, usually you'll, you'll lash out because you're just in that kind of pissy kind of mood. So yeah, I mean, it's really important um, to, you know, have all the three in alignment. But even if you don't, I mean, we're talking right now physical exercise, and that's really important. It's a fountain of youth, keeps you healthy. I mean, every day in, the, in one publication or another, there's articles about how um, physical fitness is the most important thing. You just can't sit on your butt all day because it's going to age you. You're going to get sick. And um it's just, it's just the worst thing you can do. I mean, it's probably as bad as smoking. 
Well, that is so funny you say that because I saw an ad last night for some little gadget that you sit and you pedal as you watch TV, and the ad read, sitting is the new smoking. Yeah, it really is. So you force yourself. I mean, I'm not a gym rat. I don't love going to the gym, but I've, go, I've been going pretty consistently for the last, I don't know, 40 years. And, um, you know, I think it's really made a difference in my health and, you know, um, my feeling good. Well, and looking good. I mean, you look fabulous, you know, and that's, yeah. a, that's a big part of it. Cause when you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see, it's really hard to have a good day. It's hard to go out and feel powerful in the world and, and do what you need to do, whether it's run a company or parent or really just about anything. And if you don't, if you don't like what you see in the mirror, and I'm not saying it's all about the look, but I know when I'm not my best, I look in the mirror and go, oh, like that's not a good way to start the day. Like I'm brushing my teeth going, oh. I know, I know. I Believe me, we all have those kind of days. But when we're doing the physical exercise, especially for women that are over 40, over 50, and beyond, 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 I think it's really important that they they do the cardio you know, for their heart. I think it's really important that they do the weights for their bones. And it's really important that, you know, you do your stretching because if to do all of this without stretching, you're going to hurt yourself. So you really have to combine. And if you're going to, it's really smart if you're going to do weights and things like that, you know, all the different machines they have now is to start, at least start with the trainer. So you know that you're doing the right thing the right way. And again, that you don't hurt yourself because it's really easy to overdo it. And then, you know, you'll have a lot of, a lot of problems uh, if your body, you know, doesn't want to work with you. Well, and yeah, one of the things I found with my trainer, he said to me, you know, when we are over 40 and we work out, especially if we haven't been consistently working out um, our whole life, is that our muscles oftentimes stay a lot stronger than like our tendons and our fascia and the other different parts of our body. So our muscles really want to go, but our ligaments and our tendons, they can't keep up. They can't keep up. They have to lubricate. They have to stretch out. And that's why stretching is so important over 40. And he was talking to me because we do a lot of hip exercises about two times a month. Um, I only see him on Sundays. He gives me my workout for the week. Um, and I do the other two workouts on my own, but he focuses a lot about hip strength. And when I first started working out my hips, my hips were sore and not the muscles The you know, they didn't want to walk right. And I, I would kind of <laughs> waddle, you know, as, and he said, you're working them too hard because even though your muscles can do that, your the rest of your body needs time to catch up. And if you were 20, you wouldn't have these problems, but you're not 20 anymore. So you have to be, he's like slow and steady wins the race. No, absolutely. And the hip joints are very, very vulnerable, especially as you get older, and then they can get arthritic. Um, and that, you know, really becomes very painful. So I think, like, the magic word here is lubricate. Right. And the more exercise that you do, you're lubricating from the inside. And I think it, it, um, it stops a lot of these bad things from happening. But, yeah. you know, I mean, it's a, aging is a piece, you know, aging is a big puzzle. And there's all these little pieces that kind of have to fit in together to have a, you know, to have a healthy aging. So physical, yes, is one piece of the puzzle. But as we know, there, there's many more pieces that, that have to fit in behind it. Right. I mean, I think one of the biggest ones for me is the emotional component. 
Yeah. You know, when I feel good, I don't have any problem. In fact, I love going to the gym. I love working out when I feel good. It's the, you know, if I'm having a sad day or I'm missing my mom day or the kids, you know, they're teenagers now. One's almost a teenager. He's, he's, but they're every bit a teenager someday, Linda. And I'm so defeated <laughs> by five o'clock. And it's funny because I will put a teenager up against the most virulent, CEO on Wall Street. And they will give each other a run for a money because those teenagers, they just dig in, they're tenacious with what they want. And um, they can wear me out faster than my worst client. <laughs> yes, I can believe it. I always say I'm not a mom. I mean, I was a doggy mom, but I'm not a, like a, a mom for like a two-legged <laughs> human being. But I think it's the hardest job in the world. I mean, I was just talking to my, I was going for PT because because of well, something I did in the gym. I got a, a, a disc that was a little, um, I guess, swollen. And it was really causing me a lot of pain because I think it was when it's swollen, it latches onto a lot of the, the nerves in your like tush area. Um, and it's, thank God, it's about 80% better now. It's really working out. But he has three children and his, his wife works. He works. He works two jobs. He's a fireman and he also does physical therapy and he's gorgeous. So it's really lovely when you go there and he massages your tush. I like oh that. Oh my God. Yeah, that's like a fantasy. It's like a fireman and a personal, you know, massage. Yes, like, yes. and a good tush rubber. Anyhow, <laughs> I digress. But, um, he said it's just constant. I mean, and his kids are, I mean, from seven down to two, I think. And his, I said, are you done? He said, I'm not sure. My wife might want another one. I said, holy mackerel. But it's just constant. And life changes so much. He said, you know, they moved when they first had the first kid. They lived, um, with, I'm in New York. So he was in Brooklyn. And they had a dog. And it was manageable. And it really, the dog, he'd take the dog out to the dog park and, the dog would play with other dogs, and and then they moved up to um, up to Westchester or or somewhere close, and the dog didn't. The dog was suffering because he didn't have his playmates at the park anymore. He would just take him for walks, and he knew the dog was unhappy. But they didn't even have time for the dog. So yes, being a mother is a is. I think you all should get medals for that. I think as long as we keep them alive, <laughs> like some days I look at them and go, wow, I kept them alive for 15 years. Like, yeah, you know, that's, also, that's a I miracle. My dog until I didn't, but, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, it's amazing. Cause you, when you think of all the myriad of things that could go wrong, it is, it's quite, quite amazing. It's quite miraculous. And, um, you know, let's, let's talk about dogs for a minute because like this morning I, I went in my snow hike, you know, I went up in the snowy mountains above Los Angeles and I took Sally. Um, Sally's my companion whenever I hike and it, you know, I have three dogs, Linda, and each of them provides a different service to the family. Like Chicken Nugget is there when any of my kids have a broken heart or they lose a big game. And the first thing they do is walk in the door and they look around. Ch Chicken Nugget's usually sitting with my dad or sometimes snoozing on the couch. He's a little fat Chihuahua Terrier mix that looks like a Chicken Nugget with legs. And they go and they run to him. And he looks at them and he just knows that they need to hold them. And then he'll snuggle his 
little snout into their neck. And, you know, when they were little boys, they used to cry. They would go and hug Nugget and cry and, and tell Nugget their problems. And um, as soon as my younger one realized that Nugget couldn't do card tricks, he was trying to teach him <laughs> card tricks. Um, then he's like, mom, you know, dogs can't, and I'm like, dogs can't do a lot of things, but what they can do is provide incredible comfort and support. Oh God, absolutely. And, and unconditional love. And, uh, that is for me, that was the most important thing is that unconditional love that I never felt with any, any human being in my life, you know, parents, husband, uh, as I said, I don't have kids and maybe you do with kids, but she just, um, she just gave me that. And I realized it. she was a very, very big part of, of heart opening. Um, and now that she's not with me anymore, she's here in spirit. Um, but I'm doing everything I can to keep my heart open because when that's gone, it, it has a, it can close up again because, you know, you miss them so much. I'm, I'm grieving for her and crying, but I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing everything I can to keep it open because I know how important that is. Well, it's funny, you know, you, you not funny, haha, but it was funny. You said the thing about like, you know, like, well, you have kids. I have a friend, Sarah, who lost her dog recently about a year ago and she just got a new one. And, um, she said, this one is just for me. She goes, it's not for my girls. I'll get them their own dog. I'll, and I, I thought to myself, you know, well, there's the family dog. And then I thought to myself, well, Sally's really my dog. You know, she's, she's bonded more with me. She'll play with the boys, but she's my dog. And Chicken Nugget's really my dad's dog. And Sophie, Sophie's kind of the pain in the ass dog that <laughs> she's just old and sick. So she's really nobody's dog. She's the island. Um, but I, when you said that, I thought about, you know, when you have kids, yes, you love them. Yes, they love you. But a lot of times you don't like each other. <laughs> yeah. And there has never been a time that I didn't like Sally. I might have been frustrated because she threw up, you know, and I had to clean up after her. Last night, Sophie was sick three times. So I had to get up at one, three, and five to clean up her vomit and clean up, you know, her, her mess and clean her face and, you know, put her back to bed. And um, so, you know, those aren't the enjoyable parts of, of pet ownership. But the one difference between that I see between a kid and a dog is like Sally has never shown me anything but love. Sally doesn't sass back. Sally doesn't roll her eyes. Sally doesn't shine me on or shut her phone off when she's had enough of me and I can't reach them. <laughs> Sally just sits there. And like this morning when we were going to go walk in the snow, she sat at my feet and she's like, okay, mom, I'm ready to go. There was yeah. no whining about get your shoes on, get in the car, where's your backpack, <laughs> you know? She's just there with her leash, wag, 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 we're ready to go. And yeah. so I think it's very different. And I think every mother needs that support animal. I know it's more work. As a mom, I get that. I had, you know, five dogs and th two little kids as a single mom. But those dogs provided support to the family. This provided support to each of my children in a way I couldn't as their mother. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing as special as dog energy. Um, I just went to um, part of the Westminster Dog Show here in New York uh, a couple of weeks ago. 
um, they have a thing called meet the meet the breeders. So all the breeders are there with their dogs and you know trying to sell the, their breed so that you'll come and buy a puppy. And it um, the, the the whole I mean it was huge and all that dog energy. I mean so I got you know like I needed the kisses, the hugs, the petting. It, you know it was just I walked around there for two hours with this crazy grin on my face. I was just so happy. Um, and then, of course, I got into the car, and then I started to cry. But while I was there, I was, I was happy. Yeah. Well, there, there is something special about that dog energy. That, um, and it's funny because sometimes I just have to smell a dog. Like, not get up close to smell them. But, you know, like some people are like, oh, you know, that's the dog smell. Um, I forget what it was. Oh, I was washing the blanket from the couch the other day, and I went to put it in the washer. And when I picked it up, it smelled like nugget. You know, nugget has a very distinct smell. It's kind of sweet and earthy. Um, and so I was, you know, putting it in the washer to wash it because he sits only on the couch, only on the blanket, because I don't want the couch to smell like dog. But just for a minute, I was like, yeah, I yeah. just breathed it in and I could just feel the love. Yes. Well, uh, you know, I, I did too. I mean, um, and my, you know, I, am not, I haven't been... Um, awarded the most patient person of the world ever, <laughs> ever. I'm very impatient. But with Lucy, um, I, no matter what she did, I was very patient and I never really got mad at her. No, she could do all these, I mean, she never did anything really bad, but sometimes that you're just tired, like you said, and you have to clean up after them or clean their poop or clean their whatever. And um, I never, I never got mad at her. I mean, it, so for we're talking about emotional fitness here so i think it's it's really wonderful to have that in your life it really um it calms you down that was a great thing for me she was very calming for me and that's yeah. a gift. it's a huge gift you know sally was was great for me during my divorce because i could come home from court and i would be so sometimes i'd be so beat up linda like there was nothing left, and I would sit on my, I'd get home, and I'd put my bag down, I'd sit in the Lazy Boy, look at the clock on, i got to pick up the kids from school in 20 minutes, and Sally would come padding across the living room, and she'd put her big, giant, golden retriever head on my leg, and I would just put my hand on her head, and she'd look at me like, Mom, it's going to be okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you know, so, yeah, exercise dogs. I mean, all of these things. I mean, I think we have to pay attention. I think it's really important, especially for women. Well, men too, but women are always in service to somebody or something else. Um, but I think it's really important to pay attention to what makes you happy. Uh, pay attention to your body. What does your body want? Um, I, because if you're not good for you, you, it's really hard to be good for anybody else. Right. So it's really important that we really take the best care um, that we can for ourselves and treat ourselves and give us, give, if you're tired, go to sleep. If you need a day off, take the day off because, you know, you have to recharge your batteries. Right. 
Right. Like for me, it's a hot bath at the end of the day, you know, and the kids still come in. They're, they're teenagers, but they come in and they come over with their hand over their eyes. Oh, gee. They come down the hallway and they're like, knock, knock, knock. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, mom. And I'm like, what do you need? And then I, I usually will take a washcloth and cover my top and another washcloth and cover my bottom. And it's a big jacuzzi tub. So you can really only see my head, in the bubbles. Yes. But they come walking in and they're like, mom, I need to talk. And then they kind of make their way over to the chair where my makeup counter is. And they turn their back to me so that there's privacy. And then they pour their heart out and then they feel better. And it could be over a girl or over a test or over a ball game. You know, it's whatever it is. And then they leave. And, you know, it's one of those things where, if you have a sacred space in your home, like for me, that bathroom is this sacred space. And I asked the kids one time, I'm like, you guys are teenagers. When are you going to stop walking in my bathroom? And they're like, but mom, it's peaceful there. You know, and I have plants and I have candles and it's, you know, it's a big bathroom. So it's very pretty and it's very clean. And I think it's, that's where all the energy gets to be washed away and drain away. Yeah. Um, well, no, again, you're very generous, um, with that because I don't know. I mean, it's hard for, you know, until you're in this situation, it's very hard to know what you would yeah. do. Well, it's like if Lucy walked in, Lucy walked well, in, put her paws on the tub, you'd be like, hi, Lucy. Well, she did all the time, not oh, only in the tub, on the, <laughs> on the pot, everything. I mean, she was there all the time, you know, and she would jump up, but, um, but she didn't, I didn't need to talk to her. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes I don't want to. Sometimes I'm like, guys, I need some quiet. You just got to wait. You know, I'll be, I'll be out in, t in 20 minutes. We can, you know, we can sit in the bedroom quiet and talk then. But okay. What, you know, there's no rules. Whatever works. Yeah. You well, know, it's not it's like they're there every week, you know, but every <laughs> once in a while, I would say about every two months, one of them will walk in okay. and knock on the door and just sit down and, you know, lay their heart bare. And then, cause we all need that. We all need to offload. Yes. I think it's very important to have support um, with someone that you really trust and someone that you can confide in and someone that understands some of the things that you might be going through. You know, when I lost Lucy, I mean, you were, you were my salvation because you had been through it with, you know, with your dogs and, um, you, you just, you were just there to listen, um, to me and my grief and tears and crying. And that's, you know, and that's just a beautiful thing. And it's we amazing. Huh? We all need that. We do just, you know, and that's where like for the longest time, you know, my therapist, I, I had her on uh, every Thursday night at 530 um, because I needed somewhere for this stuff to go. And if it doesn't go anywhere, it'll make you sick. And there were times, Linda, when I didn't want, I didn't want my friends to know really what was going on. I didn't want to burden them. I didn't want to burden my family members. You know, they were caring for my mom and she was really sick and dying. So I'm not going to burden her. Um, and there's times when holding it all in or journaling just doesn't cut it. You need to talk to another person and you need that person just to shut up and listen. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, stuffing, stuffing your emotions and your feelings down is the worst thing that you can do because eventually it's going to make you sick. Yep. You know, so yeah, we have, it, that's the thing. we just have to unload as much as we can because this stuffing down and being brave and being, you know, fearless is, <laughs> it's, 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 all, it's not a good thing. 
No. And if you're with a partner or a friend or a spouse or a, a person that tells you like, you know, don't complain or you're always complaining or like in my marriage, it was any feeling I had was always shut down unless it was positive, unless it was supporting the other party. Um, it had no value. It had no patience. No, you know, so I learned not to express any negative emotion. I learned um, those are things that need to come out. And when I was married to that person, Linda, I'm not kidding you. I had migraines two or three times a week. I had headaches on the weekends. I had neck aches and back aches and, you know, and my period stopped. (laughs) And then I get divorced after about a year. I remember sitting at my my living room, folding laundry, thinking, I haven't taken a, a leave or an aspirin. I haven't had to go to the massage therapist to fix my back. Like, what changed? What yeah. changed was I didn't have to keep silent anymore. I didn't have to hold it all in anymore. If I had a bad day... I could cry if I had a a bad moment, you know, I could talk to my friends. There wasn't somebody around all the time invalidating my feelings. So if you have somebody in your life that's either telling you what to feel, how to feel, or that your feelings are wrong, yeah, then they got to go. Well, absolutely. Uh, That stress um, that you talk about that, that made all of those other things happen is a, is a, is a killer. And uh, that's another good reason to exercise because it is a good stress reliever to just go and just sweat out a, a lot of that. But yes, if you have, I mean, I know it's not easy to leave somebody ever, whether even oh. if they're a monster, but um, in the long run, it's the, it's, it's the best thing that you can do, especially if you have, you know, kids too, because you know, they're, they're, they're living in that, that stressful, horrible, ugly environment, and it's, it's bad for them. So, yeah, you know, it's, it, listen, life, life is certainly challenging, but I believe that um, all of the things that we are, are experienced, having, have experienced, and will experience in the future are all things that are giving us bigger clues into, into who we are and um, what what lessons we need to learn. So I don't believe in mistakes because um, that's how we learn is going through all of these, these things on our own and figuring it out. Mm -hmm. You know, that's uh, listening to other people's advice doesn't work most of the time. No, you got a very smart person giving you advice, but um, it's like, you always want to protect your children uh, from these things, but they have, in, it's experiential. You have to experience these things, you know, deep in your gut, deep in your heart to really, to really feel them and to, you know, to say, okay, enough is enough. I, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's funny, you know, when you talk about the, the concept of protecting your kids, when Max was in third grade, he had this great teacher called Mrs. Woolman and Mrs. Woolman's a great friend of mine. And She said to me, she called me up and she said, I'm going to do something that is going to be sound a little crazy, but I want you to hear me out. And she said, Max is great. He's a wonderful little boy. He's gifted. He's talented. He's good athlete. He's all these things. Wonderful little boy. And she goes, but he's never failed at anything. And this was in third grade. And she's like, I need him to know that he can fail and it'll be okay. 
So she's like, I'm going to purposely give him homework, a piece of homework that he's going to struggle with, and he's going to make a lot of mistakes, and he's going to get a low grade. And she goes, I want, we want to do this in a controlled way because she's like, I don't want him to get to high school and try to kill himself because he gets his first F, you know, or something like that. She's like, we all need to learn how to fail at something. And she goes, but more importantly, not just how to fail, but how to recover after that the world isn't going to fall apart. Cause she said kids with grades, especially kids with good grades, they get irrational fears of a D or a C, you know, like the world's going to somehow fall apart because you get a D. Well, and, um, yeah. And, and, and a lot of times the parents are responsible for that because, you know, the parents are so strict in, 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 in what they want the kids to bring home. And, you know, the, the kids are under so much pressure that they, so many of the kids today don't have, are, never have a chance to be kids because they're under so much pressure, not only from school, but from sports and from extracurricular activities and, you know, just everything. And, and look at the peer pressure now. I mean, God, I mean, when I was a kid, I, I mean, I, between the drugs and the sex and the alcohol and God knows whatever else. I mean, I, did, I didn't even think about those things when I was a kid. No. And in your face. No, I mean, right, they, they know everything. They, they, the kids know more about these things half the time than I do because they'll make a joke and I'll be like, I don't even know what that is. And they'll tell me and I'm horrified. But, but having the skills, letting, letting your kid make a mistake in a controlled environment can also teach them how to, that the world's not going to fall apart if they make a mistake or if they fail yeah. or if they, you know, there are do-overs in life. You know, so much... Of video games, the only positive, one of the few positives that I see is that even though your your life is ended in the video game, you know, you can get up and go again. Um, that's a good analogy to life. Not, not obviously killing or shooting someone and having them resurrect, but the concept of, you know what, if you get shot down, you get up and you keep going. And I think that's, that's something that you know, we all can, because as we get older too, and I see this when I got certified in SPIN, Linda, I, um, I invite my other mom friends to come and try it. And many of them haven't tried anything new for 25 years, maybe 30 years. And they're like, well, I haven't ridden a bike since I was 10 years old. Well, come try. Everybody's nervous when they try new things. And it's funny because these very same moms that are pushing their kids to try everything under the sun will not come and try a Zumba class with me or a fitness class or come and walk up the mountain with me and just look at the view. Um, it's amazing how we get in our heads and limit what our experiences are. Yeah, no, I mean, we get into this routine um, and we just accept the things that come. And um, I think it's, it's the, like you said, there's a fear of trying something new but we, but we'll never, we'll never work out of that rut if we don't, you know, give up. There has, there's risk in life, in life, not only in the business, but in everything that we do. So, you know, you just have to be brave and you have to trust you're going to be okay. And as, like you said to Matt, it's not the end of the world. You know, there's always something else that's just around the corner. But I, you know, I think it's really important to really sit down with yourself, have a talk with yourself and say, what can I do to make me happy? And you know what? I bet you a lot of, they wouldn't even know what to write down on the paper. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. When I went to my therapist the first couple times and she talked to me about self-care and I didn't know what that meant, she asked me what I liked to do and what did I like. And I could tell you everything my husband ate, drank, liked, didn't like. I could tell you with my sons at the time, they were really little. You know, the baby, you know, wasn't much. But I could tell you Max's everything. But I couldn't tell you my own. And so she actually had me do this little exercise where she's like, okay, what did you like to do at five years old? And what did you like to do at 10 years old? And what did you like to do at 15 and 20 and 30? You know, what were things you liked? And, you know, I had this whole list and she's said, how many of you, how many of those things that you loved historically have you done in the last year? It was like a goose egg. Yeah, nothing. You know, because we do, we get in service to others and we get in service. And, you know, so I ended up getting some tomato plants. I love to watch plants grow. I love to watch them bloom and bear fruit. Like little things like that, you know, are important to me. And I didn't realize how far away I had gotten from myself. Yeah, and it's so easy. It's so easy. And so it, it is, I think at the beginning, it's an effort. You know, um, that you have to push yourself to do it. But, I, but after, you know, after a while, you get into that swing and you say, then you miss it if you don't do it. Yep. You know, even yeah. go to the gym and things like that. No, it's, it's just so important that, we, that, that women take care of themselves. It really is. And then, you know, and, and go out and, and buy something for yourself. Yeah. You know, always giving gifts or to the children or buying things to the children or, or friends or whatever. But you know, how many women go into a store and they, oh, they like something and say, no, you know, I won't spend the money on myself. I have to, you know, I'll go out and buy, I'll get it for the kids. Right, right, right. Absolutely. And um, if we don't honor, if we don't honor ourselves, who else is going to honor us? We have to, we have to, we have to set that precedent that we think that we're important because when you give out that vibe that, you know, I'm, I'm important, I'm doing the things that I like, um, I, people kind of get on board because they know, and especially if you hadn't done it before, they will notice the change, yep. you know, and they might be frightened of the, of the change at first, but then um, they're going to say, okay mom, you go do that. And I will, I'll do the laundry this week or whatever. Yeah. But you know, so it's, it's the, the most important person to, um, to honor is yourself. Uh, yeah. And it kind of blossoms out to, to everything that you do. So I think that that, you know, it's a really good lesson for women is to really take care of themselves. Well, yeah. And how do you expect, you know, your kids model, your behavior more than what you tell them. And I didn't want to model this self-sacrificing wife or this single mother who sacrifices everything for her children so that my sons would grow up to be jerky husbands that expect the wife to sacrifice, you know, for everything for them and to, to, to uh, do everything for them. I mean, there is, it's a fine line if you have daughters, especially, you know, when I look at my nieces and I I don't want my nieces to be making the same, I know they're going to make their own choices and stuff, but I don't want them to make poor choices that I make. 
And I think this was really came loud and clear to me when Zachy was about five years old and he and his little friend went in and they popped a soda can each. Yeah. And then he goes, yep, it's four o'clock. It's time for our soda. Well, that was mom. Cause at four o'clock I'd go every day and get my four or four thirty. I'd go and get my diet Coke. And if I didn't have my diet Coke, we'd run down to the market and pick up diet Coke. And what did I train my kid to do? Exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. And then he passed it on to his friend that I babysat. So thank you, you know, to, the, to their parents for trying to get their daughter off Diet Coke at 10 years old. <laughs> Hooked on Diet Coke. Hooked on Diet Coke at 10 yeah. years old. But they, because they, as much as I would say, eat healthy, eat healthy, eat healthy, what did they take away? Mom goes to the fridge every day at 4.30 and pops the top of the Diet Coke. Yeah. Yeah, no, they absolutely, they're paying very close attention to what you do, although you, you may not realize it at, uh, at a lot of times, but yeah, they want, they model that. They model that. So being a mom, again, is the hardest job in the world because you're always, you know, you're, you're the ultimate teacher. And it's the biggest mirror. Like, this is the hardest thing for me sometimes, like, because I'll hear my kids say Things like I have a couple of phrases that I say like, oh, look at that winner, or, you know, something like that. It's a really awful thing to say. It's really judgmental and cruel and insulting. And I saw Zachary the other day. He looked at this person and goes, wow, mom, look at that winner. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> like, you know, and I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of that. You know, yeah. and that's where they're like little mirrors going, wow, like it's, having the kids has made me a better person because it's reflected back to me the things I don't like about myself because oh, yeah. I see them do the same thing. And I can't get mad at them if I taught them that. No, <laughs> absolutely. No. I mean, the people that we live with are really do reflect back um, all of the things that the things that we don't like in them are basically the things we don't like in ourselves. Yeah. And um, it's, it's really, it's really interesting when you really look at it, um, of, of all the things, um, they are really, those, those people that, that push our buttons are really our soulmates because every time they push a button, it's like, oops, you know, that's something that I buried in me. Let me take a look at it. Uh, maybe it wouldn't bother me so much if they did it, um, if I wasn't doing it anymore. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, one of the things my therapist taught me was she's like, you know, when your kids annoy you now, I mean, it's different if they're just sitting there making noise, you know, or they're being boys, certain things, but she's like, if something really bothers you deep down, she's like, ask yourself why just before you yell at them and tell them to stop doing that, ask them why. You know, and sometimes it's like, it reminds me of my big sister who was really bossy and I don't like it when Max bosses Zach around. Um, I don't like it when Zach sasses back. And that reminds me of the time when I was really little and sassed back and it didn't end well for me. Um, so you do, you find these commonalities in yourself if you just, and so much of this is just exploring your emotions. It's, it's asking yourself, what am I feeling and why do I think I'm feeling this way? No, absolutely. And I think that that's really an important thing to explore because, I mean, it's your life. And um, if, we, if we don't take a look um, at who we are and, and, and what we're doing, believe me, the, the, the decades go by very quickly. And um, 
you look you look back and you say, oh my God, I, I wish I had done that when. Um, but it's never too late. It's never too late. You can get spin certified at 50 like I did. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of people who think what I'm doing is great. And there's a lot of people who've made comments to my friends that they think I'm ridiculous because no. it's not dignified. And I'm like, why would I dignified. listen to any of it's them? It's not dignified to be healthy. <laughs> right. It's not dignified to be, you know, whatever. But that's the other thing is like, is being solid with yourself. Linda, and this is one thing, you know, you, you've taught me, you're really good at this. I, I'm not as good as you at this. And I admire this a lot about you is that you are very strong and direct and you can say what you think. And I still have that like protective worry kind of part of me. That's like, I don't want to speak up here and in areas that I really should have spoken up for years. No, I, I found out over the years through trial and error that I'm much better getting it out than um, being passive aggressive, which I think is a terrible thing. But um, if, it, if, it's not, if it's not something that I really want to do, and um, if it feels like an imposition or I'm just trying to people please, 90% um, of the time I just won't do it because then I'm the one who suffers. Yeah. I mean, it's not a hundred percent because sometimes you have to, you know, you have to give a little, but sure. it can't be your, your pattern all the time because you're the one that's going to end up uh, on the short end of the stick all the time. And, you know, you can't worry about what other people say because you're never, if you have 10 people in the room, you're never going to get 10, uh, 10 same opinions. Everybody's going to see, everybody sees the world through a different lens. And so you've got to see the world through your lens. What, you know, what, what feels right to you? Um, being, I mean, that she's ridiculous. That's, that's really crazy. Here you are, um, getting out, helping other people, getting your exercise, doing this wonderful thing. And they say, you, you know, you look ridiculous. I mean, come on. So yeah. it, it just looks, it just shows you the pain that they're in because nobody, nobody that comes in attacks is in a happy place themselves. Right. That's for sure. And I, that's another lesson you learn. You know, um, I won't even say it. <laughs> no, but I mean, it is important. People who attack are not in a happy place and they're there to, to relieve well, their pain. Yeah. So that you can be as miserable as they are and it ain't going to work. No. no. You know, so the best thing you can do is just, you know, just listen, just don't even defend it. Just pretend it you know, didn't even happen. Yeah. And just go on with you know, doing the things that you love, but you're always going to find naysayers. They're always going to find people that want to poke, you know, poke at you and, and pull you down from the good place that you're in. And um, you just have to be impervious to that. You do. You do. I remember when I was growing up and I'll, I'll close the show with this cute little story. Um, I was up with my friends up in the cornfield and the little corn plants were just starting to come up and they were little like yellow, tender, green little yeah. corn plants. And there was one kid and I won't give you his name, but he stopped on it. <laughs> no, I, I just, I'll never forget that going like, why did you do that? And he didn't have an answer because, you know, he's just like, well, you know, because I could because it was there. And, you know, and he was an angry little boy. And I always remember when people say bad things, there's always going to be somebody around that'll stomp on your corn plant. Like, 
just because that corn plant didn't do anything to that person. He's just there pushing up through the dirt, trying to grow, trying to do whatever had nothing to do with him. And I think, you know, this is a good example to end the show on is that when people do say mean or unkind things, most likely it has nothing to do with you. Uh, absolutely not. They're, they're just venting their own anger and mostly at themselves. Well, there you go. Motherhood Talk Radio will be back again next week. Thank you, Linda Franklin, Shining Service Worldwide. We're going to have a great week, and we'll be back again with another great show. Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck.